and welcome to episode 50 of GameSpot After Dark. We made it. We made it, fam. We made it to episode 50. It took us 50 weeks to get here. I'm very proud that we got here. (laughs) Joining me this week on the 50th episode is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Jean-Luc Seipke. Hello. And for the first time ever, Edmund Tran. Hello. It's me. How are y'all doing? I'm cold. It's fucking freezing in Australia right now. It is fucking hot here. I know, <laughs> it was like 110 hot degrees this weekend. I was dying. I finally caved and bought shorts. I haven't owned shorts in forever, but I went and bought shorts because I, I could not deal with it. I bought these Magikarp shorts that are like, they're like overalls, but when you fold down the front, it's a Gyarados, like a surprise oh, Gyarados. what? That's awesome. And it's, a, it's an Australian company. The company is Black Milk and they had the whole, oh, whole right. Pokemon, yeah, a whole Pokemon collection that like I... Like they sell out like within a minute. So I had to like wish list everything and then like be online on time to buy these Pokemon clothes. That's awesome. Before we get into today's episode, uh, there's a few things I do want to go over. First is that Lucy and Tamor not here. It might be kind of weird that they're not here for the 50th episode, but they are both on vacation actually. And I didn't really want to bug them and get them on. I'm sure they would have been cool with it. But uh, Play For All is officially unofficially done i guess you could say and those two put in a lot of work uh as everyone on staff but they they uh were smart and requested a week off you know they they plan their schedules essentially uh so they're off this week um but this works out because we'll be talking about ghost of tsushima because ed reviewed that we'll get to that after what we've been playing the other big thing i want to talk about is that there are some changes coming to GameSpot after dark the big thing is that we aren't going to be doing video anymore at least for now uh the idea behind this is that things have been really busy and it's very hard to produce a video podcast while everyone's located in different places so we are going to focus on audio Now, if you only watch this on YouTube, that's bad news. I know it kind of sucks, but you can still find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play. I mean, pretty much anything except SoundCloud because we only got like three or four listens on SoundCloud. So I killed that one because it was like $200 a year. Uh, So I was like, now it's fine. Those those 12 people can just transition. The other thing is that we are going to try to keep with a set cast for the most part. We will still have other people subbing in and we'll have guests and whatnot, but we're going to try to keep to a somewhat familiar cast and we're going to try to keep the show a little bit shorter. What this means is we're going to try to keep it around an hour, a little over an hour. Uh, If you scroll through the feed, you've probably noticed that we're kind of getting close to that two hour mark. And I personally don't really want to do that because a, it creates more work and B I think, uh, the, the more succinct we are, the tighter the episodes are. We'll see how that goes. I mean, we've got a lot of people who are very passionate about games here, and when they want to talk about something, they really want to talk about it. So that being said, I'm not going to purposely cut things out necessarily of episodes to get it to that length, but we're going to be, try, we're going to be trying to aim for a shorter length overall. And, you know, as always, if you guys have any feedback, please, please, please tweet at us. Uh, We look at all that stuff. We take all that into consideration. Or you could join the GameSpot Discord if you uh, DM me on Twitter, or you can email afterdarkpodcast.gamespot.com and you can leave comments in the After Dark channel. And all that stuff we look at, we have a lot of people working on this podcast, a lot of people who really like this podcast, including you know, everyone here today, everyone on staff, and we want to make this as good as it can be. So with all that in mind, 
Uh, I just want to thank everyone so much for listening to 50 episodes because it's pretty unreal. Uh, like, I don't want to talk too much about this, but, you know, when I started at GameSpot five years ago, the one thing I wanted to do was have a podcast. I, I It was just something that I kind of felt like was missing. Like, we had the lobby, but it was a video podcast, and it kind of had a different vibe. Uh, so it is one of my dreams to have this going and to have this going for 50 episodes now, and we're going to keep going. Uh, so I just want to thank everyone for all their support. And of course, everyone at GameSpot too, who is also supporting this because it has been a blast so far and we're excited to keep it going. Good job, Nicely Jake. done, Jake. Yeah, yeah. There, there's my little spiel for today. <laughs> uh, with that said, we're going to move on to the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. Callie, song. Chris. There we go. It's like we've got this down. 50 episodes in and we've got this down. Uh, Ed, do you want to tell us? do you want to tell us about yourself? <clears throat> Hi, I'm Ed. Um, what do you want to know? Uh, <laughs> how'd you get started at GameSpot? What are what are your game? Did I say GameStop? GameStop. No, Actually, I, I used to work. I said GameStop. I don't think you I did. Used, I used to work in the EB Games, which is owned by. Oh, GameStop. okay, so same mm-hmm. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. After which, I did uh, come into GameSpot as a video editor, like about twelve years ago now, and I basically did was a video producer for about six or seven years until I then moved into editorial um, and I now take care of Australia um, and I'm like the the figurehead there but I'm just a regular editor in the, you, on the global you can say scale. you can say dad of Australia that's okay I'm the dad of Australia yeah all of all of Australia um, so yeah yeah I've been around a while not always a visible uh, but I have been here so very long and I'm very tired <laughs> and- <laughs> Also yes. helps with reviews a lot. I just want to emphasize that. Big help yeah. on reviews. Who else yes. has been here about as long as you around that time frame? Uh, like Chris which, Beaumont, right? Chris Beaumont, who's the head of video, is has been here longer. And Randolph Ramsey, who's our editor-in-chief, has been here a few years more than that. He used to be my boss back in Australia um, before he moved over. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it. Wait, who's it's your boss weird, now? Isn't it? My boss is still Randy. My boss is basically oh. always because <laughs> Randy's my boss. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, he's cool. Um, yeah, far out. You guys are all young, and I don't know. Uh, another part of the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment is like, what kind of games do you typically gravitate towards, and like, wh- what's your like some some of your favorite games kind of thing. Um, well, I play a lot of things. I hate this question because I like, I play all games, you know, it's part of my job. Yeah. Um, but ones that I've traditionally been like super keen on, are things like rhythm games. So I was like really into rock band for, and harmonic stuff for like a long, 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 long time. I've given them like thousands and thousands of dollars. And I had this like <laughs> full on e-drum kit. I can see it in the background of your uh, place, Callie. Um, yep. <laughs> Yeah, I just really love music and music games, and I also really like fighting games. Um, so I play a lot of those, not at a competitive level or anything, but just as a avid fan. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I like to seek out as much like indie stuff as I can. But you know, I play everything. So anything and everything except for sports. <laughs> that's all of us, right? <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's its own thing. I got to learn like all these other rules and stuff like that, and uh, you know. There are American sports too, whatever. Yeah, are there any like footy games? There are. They've all traditionally been really bad. Um, really? Yeah, um, like Australian football, 
uh, as well as like rugby league and like cricket games. They've, they've all like been made, they're still being made, but they're all just always been, have always been mediocre. Um, so yeah. That's um, like a, a, God, probably when I started, they released a lacrosse game and that's Peter, right. Peter found out that Mike played lacrosse and made Mike review it. <laughs> and Mike, Mike that. found himself in the game because it was college lacrosse. And it was like, when he was Wait, there, really? He, yeah, what? Mike, so th- that's what Mike told me. Maybe it wasn't actually Mike. Maybe it was just the same number on like the same team. Cause I don't think they had rights to use anyone's. I don't know how it worked, but basically what it came down to is like, there was a character that was Mike and he was like, is this like a conflict of interest? But I think he gave it like a three or something like that. (laughs) I've never heard that story. Holy shit. It was like when I first started is when he first started too, I guess. Uh, we used to have a marketing guy in Australia who was uh, like a semi-pro, like football, like soccer player, and he was a, like football manager. Like so you could find his name and recruit him. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, sports. Sports. Yeah, that, that's all I got when it comes to sports. <laughs> and that's the only sports segment we'll ever have unless Michael comes back on the show, <laughs> which will probably be soon. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, then, with that said and done, let's move on to what we've been playing. Callie, do you want to start then? Sure. Um, I'm <clears throat> I just finished my uh, uh, I'm rewatching Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I just finished book one. So my voice is doing a thing. I don't know what's going on with it, <clears throat> but um, it's very emotional for me. I get like chills. That last episode is so good. I love Avatar. And then um, I, you know, I still play Animal Crossing every day and i did this big <laughs> i i took a i took my nookazon adventures to the next level so first i i did finish my rock circle that was a two week project <laughs> i finally finished it the mannequins are gone i can decorate again um but my my big trading thing is i used nookazon to trade for items i need like i bought the the mushroom lamps for my forest on nookazon because i didn't want to time travel um the next thing I've been doing is going on the Nookazon Discord and they have a, a cataloging channel where you can go to someone's island and like pick up the item so it's in your catalog and you can order it for yourself later. And I want to catalog a lot of stuff for like completion. So I went to someone's island and I cataloged every single item in every single color for the diner set. And then also every color of the simple panels and every color of the box sofas. And then I went to another island and I got uh, the complete rattan set in every color. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do Ow. when you've cataloged everything? Die, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm also really trying to, I don't want to make all of the bug and fish models because some of them are like, I'm not going to use them. Like I'm going to use the butterflies for like a flower butterfly garden thing. That's my plan. And then like, there's some that I wanted like the seahorse because I I thought it would be cute for like a beachside mermaid sort of vibe. There's some that I don't want. So I'm just trying to catalog as many as I can. Just to ha- you can't order them. It won't do me any good. It'll just be in my catalog. So if any listeners have bug and fish models, they'd be willing to let me pick up and then put back down. That's <laughs> my next project. I got like 10 today from somebody and I got a tarantula model to keep. So big day for me. Ed, did you play much Animal Crossing New Horizons? Yeah, I, I went pretty hard on Animal Crossing uh, for a long time because um, I was like on leave when it came out. And so I had a lot of time to sink into it. 
Um, but I think once I come, came back and started having to play other games, I kind of lost, kind of dropped off it a little bit. Um, I also have like familial responsibilities, so I don't have as much free time as I used to. So I kind of need to like focus. But I really would like to get back into Animal Crossing because it does bring me a lot of peace. Yeah, last week when we talked about like some of the our favorite games of the year so far, I was like, I just want to give a special shout out to Animal Crossing, and I talked a lot about Animal Crossing, and tomorrow was just like, cool. And then we moved on to the next thing. I was like, I was like, what? I let you talk about Final Fantasy VII and go off about it and stuff. And I'd say that and you're just like, cool. We're airing out some dirty laundry here. It's because I wasn't there to defend Animal Crossing's honor. I know, I know. I tried. I tried my best. Yeah, I, I just, I love that I have, I, I can create projects for myself. Um, so like obviously terraforming and decorating the island is a big one. Um, but I also really like the idea of cataloging things. And I think in the in past Animal Crossing games, you know, I didn't really have the resources to get um, items that were harder to get. And in this game, you know, I can use Nikazan, I can use Turnip Exchange. Um, there's all sorts of, because Turnip Exchange is more than just turnips. Like I, I can get a lot of items that way. And so I was really excited because the, the sets that I got today, like the diner set is like six or seven different colors. Um, and you know you only have one color that's like native to your island, so I would have a really hard time getting those other ways. So it's just like there's something satisfying about it. I'm just checking it off, and then I go into Nookazon and I I add them to my catalog. I'm very thorough. It is not peaceful for me. I'm very intense. <laughs> it's pretty intense, dude. You could like spend so much time just like on the nitty gritty, which you are. And that's just a crazy way to play it. Cause when I play it, I'm just kind of like, I don't wander around, like pick up some fruit and like maybe check in on the catalog. It's very chill compared to what it seems you're doing on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. Like I go on in, end. I'm like, Oh, I got to move my hundred flowers that I have here. Like I, <laughs> I breed flowers or I did, I, I, have all the colors now so I don't need to do that anymore but like I I have to move them all to one spot so I can terraform that spot and then I move them all back it it takes a really long time someone's got to do it and your animals don't do shit they just walk around and I know and complain about weeds or something like that and they're they're not going to terraform you seen them break a sweat never seen them break a sweat they're always working out it's true in their defense but I don't think most animals sweat so it's probably for the best. I don't know. We don't need like NBA 2K21 <laughs> levels of sweat on these animals. I don't think that would work. Uh, Jean-Luc, do you want to tell us what you've been doing this last week? Sure. Uh, well, I played Death Stranding on PC, which you've been playing, so I don't know if we want to mm-hmm. save that for your segment. We both talk about it. Why don't you talk, sure. about, why don't you talk about your other thing first? Oh, okay. <laughs> I just kind of... I imagine it's going to be quick. <laughs> yeah, so I played uh, the new... Borderlands DLC. I'm just gonna pour me some. Uh... <laughs> That's a huge bottle of wine. <laughs> if you're just listening to this podcast, please note that he took out a very comically large bottle of wine. <laughs> that was a normal bottle of wine. Show me again. It looked very no, large. It's, it's actually pretty large. Like, <laughs> no, I, mean, I guess that's more of a stand. Stand medium standing. large. It's larger than average. I'd say I'd say medium <laughs> medium large. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Borderlands. Anyway, Borderlands new DLC. It's terrible. It's it's so bad. I I. So is this the pirate one? Uh n- it, no, it's Western. 
It's called mm. Bound, uh, Bounty, Bounty of Blood, I think. I should probably get that right if I'm going to shit talk it. Uh, <laughs> um, well, quick question, Jean-Luc. The last yes. DLC was Lovecraftian inspired and was vaguely racist, as as Jordan Ramey wrote. Yeah, it was also spot, so. terrible. It was outside of that, even like... So, yeah, so on compared to that, is this better or is it... <sighs> not really it's weird okay so me and my girlfriend we've been playing we played through borderlands one and two before it came out and she ended up loving it had a really good time we're like ah let's play borderlands three we ended up pretty mixed on it you know we're like ah it's okay but it's not really hitting the same highs but we're excited for the dlcs because i think borderlands dlcs are like some of the best of that series and uh, these have been like pretty disappointing, even by like the lower standards of Borderlands Three as a product. Like, yeah, like that that last one, the Lovecraftian one, was like not only was it just like okay, you're not really doing anything interesting with the Lovecraft, and and it kind of has it's ignoring a lot of the the racist undertones of Lovecraft, as as Jordan's very excellent article pointed out. It also, just wasn't funny at all. Like it would just set up a joke and then just not not have a punchline and it was, it was, it was like really bad so we're playing sounds this amazing one. yeah it sounds great <laughs> so we're playing the new one which which is called bounty of blood and it it's so it's western themed but the the town is all japanese aesthetic and it's really weird and i don't know why it it's like that. Like, I don't know what they're going for. Like, there's no joke. Like, they don't make, like, a joke about it. It's just, like, here's, like, a Western, and everyone talks like they're in a Western, but all the towns look like ancient Japan, and they have kanji on the signs, and their names are, like, like, Chad Kasumi. Like, they have, like, English first names and Japanese last names, but then they all just look like white people. It's, like, it's bafflingly bad it's like so weird like i i'm like is this racist i don't even like know like i'm not even what's up like everyone everyone calls you uh tomodachi (laughs) like they're just like what's up tomodachi and you're like oh my god wow i love you with all my kokoro (laughs) maybe it's a very clever play on the mashup between, because you know how like uh, Sergio Leone films riffed on Kurosawa films, like a right. like a fistful of dollars and a yeah. few dollars more riffed on Yojimbo and Sanjuro. It's a very clever. It's a very clever fusion of the two to make some sort of commentary about uh, uh, cultural appropriation <laughs> or so, something. So that's what I thought. Like I, in my head, I was like, "Oh, okay, there, there's a connection," as you pointed out. But I was waiting for them to make like a joke about it. And there's no jokes. There's just there, there's like a character who's like um like a Sam Elliott like narrator where he's like, you know, they went on down and there was the guy and they shot him. But like he doesn't make jokes. He just he plays it. It's all weirdly straight for like a Borderlands game. Like at so, least with Borderlands Three, like the jokes were terrible, but they were making jokes. Like Michael and I, there's no jokes. <laughs> Michael and I actually interviewed the creative lead for the, this DLC uh, for mm-hmm. the play for all. And he was saying that they wanted to have less jokes and focus more on the story. 
It sounds like it didn't quite work, but I thought that was kind of interesting when he was telling us It worked. There were no jokes. Oh, yeah. There's no no story either. Like, they're talking about these, like, characters and, like, the sheriff gets shot, and you're like, I don't care about any of this. Like, Borderlands, without its jokes, doesn't have, like, top-quality writing to, like, invest you in it. Like, you need, need, like, the humor to, to, like, get you interested in it. Not all of Sandro. (laughs) Maybe, maybe if like the looting is enough for you, like you'll have a good time with this DLC. But yeah, Lucy we're just, played a lot too. We're oh, just Sandra's a thousand it. hours. He talked about it on oh the my podcast. God. What? Go. Yeah, he's Holy he's shit. got some absurd amount of time in I that can't, game. I can't imagine that. And and he was like, yeah, I just mute all of the dialogue and just. It's a good idea. And 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 just like just do it for the looting and shooting and like he's right. like he might have an okay game. time with this. Then there are like, better games to do it. that with, dude. You could like play Destiny or something. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it sounds like the joke was on you all along. Yeah. (laughs) I think this is sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the first Borderlands DLC I won't finish. Like we played it for one night and we were just like, no, I have better things to do with my life. Well. Like play some Death Stranding? Yeah, like play some Death Stranding on PC, which is uh how how far are you, Jake? How far have you I'm about to get the first bike, you know, the bike that's broken down outside of, what is it, a, a not city? I don't know which uh, city. One of the not cities. Yeah. West Central Outpost, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm loving it, personally. Like, Me too. It's, it's weird, because I, I remember liking Death Stranding early on uh, when it came to PS4, but I, like, knew the end. I, I was really, like, I was getting to the point where I was like, I can't do this much longer. But for some reason, I was so ready to jump back into this game on PC, and I'm having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe fun's not the right word, but it, it, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's so meditative, and it's gorgeous on PC. It's absolutely, it's absolutely stunning on PC. Like The vistas and the photo mode is great, too. I haven't messed around a whole lot with mm-hmm. it, especially coming off Ghost of Tsushima. It's like, yeah, I wish there was a little bit more here. But... You can you make know, BB do little like posts, yeah, so yeah, BB yeah. can do like little like thumbs up. And there's a, a post called Cool where BB goes like that, <laughs> like just like a like a Fonzie pose, and I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and then you can like coordinate BB's pose with um, Norman Reedus's pose, and and like that. Yeah. Okay, it sounds like you need to play around with the photo mode a little bit more. I I do need to play. I mean, I, I messed around with it a little bit, but I haven't taken any photos really. I just opened it and you know, mess around with all the options and whatnot, but I am having a really good time with it. I'm excited to play more. I wonder if part of the reason why I'm enjoying it more is just because I have more time on my hands because of all this. And like, I don't know, like this game hits different than it did in 2019. Oh my God. That's for sure. But I guess I'm just more patient with it right now. And I think that's pretty much what it comes down to is that I'm not Part of that is because I have more time. Part of it is because I know what to expect. So I'm just taking my time. I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to get all the, I don't know, settlements to five stars as well. Yeah. Um, which at the time seemed like something I would never want to do. But now that I'm in this world, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to help out all these people that I can and maybe spend more time working on roads and building different things. I don't know how, I don't know if I'll finish it because this is a long game. But as of right now, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm happy i picked it up on pc and i'm you know i I, I, it looks great i think it's great so far 
Yeah. I really um, want to get back into it because, like, the first time I played it through, it was for like a walkthrough for GameSpot. And oh, right. I just rushed through that thing. And, like, I ended up really liking it at the end, but I was more like, man, I really want to go back and just like actually take my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe I'll get it on PC. Do you yeah, guys follow? I, uh, sorry, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, I really want to play it again. I almost gave that game a 10. I loved it so much. And I was, Alessandra sent me some videos of like, the new stuff like the headcraft thing and i was just like it got to my heart i was like i just want to play this game again mm-hmm. i really loved it so um but i don't have a pc with me right now so i have to wait but i guess i could play it again on ps4 but then i want to see yeah, how pretty it is but I, i'm excited to play it because i never finished it um not because i didn't uh, like it but because of like something about the timing i just like moved on to other stuff but i think like the because that that game is so core to like playing with other people that it's like a fresh chance to like replay it on PC now that everyone else yeah. is playing it. So I really want to finish it this time. Yeah, I wonder what the community is like on PS4 these days. Like if there's know. still stuff. I was curious um, about that too because wasn't it kind of a failure? Not a failure, but it wasn't a success. I guess you could say. I feel like there was rumors that Sony was displeased with the sales of that game. Hmm. I don't know if they're oh. true, but I just I remember seeing. That rumors that it, it i don't know it just didn't sell as much as they hoped anyway um, you, you guys follow us <laughs> you guys follow lance mcdonald on uh twitter he's like he's an australian who isn't really into video game hacking and he hacks a lot of souls games and bloodborne games mm-hmm. so oh, he's yes. been ha- he's been hacking uh death stranding and the first <gasps> thing he did at everyone's request was like try and get a shot of Norman Reedus's penis. <laughs> <laughs> and so what he, what he, he's still got some work to do, like for the shower scenes and stuff. But what he discovered is that when you urinate in the game, like he hacked the camera to go at the front, like Norman Reedus has no penis. He just like holds his hands in front of his crotch and like wig just ah. comes out like 30 <laughs> centimeters out. So that's a bit of a disappointment. So um, there's yeah, no, follow him for those updates. I, I just, I, I don't really have a joke here. I just want to say Norman's Reedus. That's all I have. <laughs> oh, I should, actually, this isn't a joke. I should say that uh, Michael Hyam did update my mm-hmm. original Death Stranding review with um, his PC impressions. It's more technical, fo- technically focused. Um, Local so PC just, expert. Yeah. Um, so that's at the top of the review. I was rereading my, my review, like, cause I wrote that review really like at the 11th hour. Cause I like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not great at that part. Um, but I was rereading it and I was like, man, I love this game. But then I was like, I put a bunch of, there's like subheaders in the review and I haven't done that again since. I was like, <laughs> oh, I forgot that I did this. Maybe I should do it again. Why did I? So, man, wild times. I forgot like everything about that review process. That was a heck of a time, Callie. I know, I was re- like, I did like three back-to-back reviews. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember that Ben Janka like five-starred every city in like two days or something insane <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, Ben, like... He finished it as you were finished uh, your review. I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were all in the office late, and mm-hmm. I, like, Ben was finishing the game, and I was, like, sitting there, like, writing, like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the embargo is midnight. Um, fun times. I was at home sleeping. <laughs> Good for you. You know, it happens. <laughs> I am genuinely excited about mods for that game like i want to replace like i want i want people to like replace all the ads with like weird stuff like yes 
like a uh, ride with Norman Reedus. Like what other like weird <laughs> things could you replace that with? Like, like instead the big of like the, days gone advertisement. Yeah. Or like yeah. instead of like the motorcycle revving when he's like taking a dump, like it, I don't know, something stupid. As poop sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really, it'd be cool if the, like, the monster energy drink was replaced by like respecting women juice or like, you know, like something. <laughs> I also, I never finished the pizza quest and I want to go back and do that. Oh, I didn't finish the pizza quest, yeah, but I, I do remember if you finish the beer quest, your monster energy gets replaced with beer. Yes. Timefall beer. They were like, we found a way to make, which, which I thought was like a, such a neat detail. How they like found yeah. a way to make beer better and quicker because of time fall. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty I, cool. I want somebody to, this is such random. I want somebody to, to replace um, the character name uh, for Jeff Keeley's character. I don't remember what it was. I just want them to replace it with actually Jeff Keeley. Luden's fan. Luden's, Luden's fan. fan. I want him to actually be called Jeff Keeley in the game. I think that'd be funny. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, should we talk about the game that people want us to talk about? Mm. Yep. Why are you being so cryptic? The game that Ed reviewed. I don't know. <laughs> it's Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Ed, you reviewed it. Quick, I'm gonna. Act. <laughs> no, never mind. Go ahead. Sorry. Ed, you reviewed it. gave it gave it a seven out of ten. What are yes. your what, what are your thoughts overall? It's a good game. It's a good game. Cool. Pretty good game. All right, listener question. Which is what seven means. Uh, <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, uh, this game is. It's, it's it's weird because I definitely went up on a it's definitely a roller coaster. You go, you have highs and you have lows. Um, and there are definitely a lot of low points. Um, but overall, it is a very pretty and compulsive open world game with some pretty, I thought it was pretty good combat. Jake, I know, I think I, you hated it, right? Well, okay. Um, I liked it. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's really good. Like, I really am into samurai stuff. Um, and I think this really captures a lot of that pretty well. And, you know, by the end of it, you're basically just like roaming around like a really, really pretty world and like getting to sword fights and just like like doing like checklist style open world things, um, which for a lot of people, including myself, like really massages that part of your brain that lets you, I don't know, it's a very relaxing loop of things to do in an open world game. Um, but at the same time, it does fall back on a lot of, I guess, tropes and structures that of really old open world games. Like it feels like an old Assassin's Creed, like before Odyssey and Origins. It's just like a lot of question marks on the map, um, a lot of go to this place and do a, do a little side activity and check it off and get a little reward. And the quests are kind of really boring in that sense too because it's a lot of walk with a dude, have a chat, um, look at a thing, hit a button, get into a fight and then get a reward, which, you know, isn't really interesting. And early on, and I think I feel like I've seen a lot of people feel the same way about this early on that really, really drags you down because you're just doing a lot of that um, all at once. Um, but once you start to get past that and you start getting more tools and the world opens up a bit more, you can kind of leave that behind a little bit more and sort of enjoy the world for what it is, which is an exploration game that lets you kind of, you know, there's no like mini map and stuff. So you kind of just go where your fancy takes you. And I feel like that, that feeling of exploring the world and it's almost Breath of the Wild-ish, like definitely not to the standard of Breath of the Wild, but it it lets you just act, like act upon your curiosity and find something cool to do. Um, so yeah, overall, I liked it, but it definitely has its uh, its flaws. 
Yeah. Anyone else play it? No, I played it. No, just me. <laughs> I, yeah. I I played a good amount. I I didn't hate it uh, by any stretch. Like I, I think it's a good game. I I, I agree with you in a, in a lot of ways. I just didn't. I just wasn't having fun. Like I really liked the exploration. I liked seeing the world. I thought the world was gorgeous. The photo mode in particular. I spent so much time messing around with the photo mode, getting shots because it it's the best photo mode I've ever seen in a game. Like there's some options that I wish were there. Like I wish I could make Jin disappear, turn him off so I can just get the landscape. But apart from that, like the photo mode is top notch. It's so good. Yeah. It's wild that it's like the first game I've seen where the photo mode is actually like a thing on your UI. Like it's Mm -hmm. on by default and it's like an actual thing that you can trigger. Like they want you to use it. And, you know, of course, because the game looks so damn good. Um, good that you'll want to be yeah yeah that you'll want to be like taking photos and the the animated still thing is really cool too so even though you freeze the world wind and like particles and stuff still happen and it just looks fucking good yeah th- that um, was my favorite thing like the animated stuff because you could make shots look really cinematic like have yeah like the slow pans like i remember doing them in like uncharted and stuff and you do slow yeah. pans but the world would still be frozen but with yeah. that you can do these slow pans or push-ins and then you, you can add uh what do they call it in the game you can add like clutter i guess and you can make like a bunch of yeah. fireflies spawn yeah and appear just like, like a thousand butterflies <laughs> yeah if just you turn like- it to a hundred percent it is ridiculous <laughs> it is like this doesn't make any sense but and like even when i turned it down to like 10 percent, i'm like there's still too many let's let's get it down yeah. to two that's a lot uh but the uh, photo mode is great but like the mm. the the combat and like the mission structure i just found like those two together, I just couldn't do it because like no lock on. Like I get why there's no lock on. I think if there was a lock on, that was probably that probably would have been an issue. And you'd have to imagine, you know, a AAA game in 2020, a third person action AAA game. They're probably experimenting with lock on and without lock on. They probably found out that no lock on is best. But I just did not like the lock on list combat because I'd end up attacking people I didn't want to attack or dogs in particular, I found incredibly annoying yep. to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I'd use your throwing abilities and sometimes I'd hit the wrong enemy and that would mess me up. Uh, just the, it, the combat was not doing it for me at all. And I think maybe part of it is cause I played the shit out of Sekiro and that is like yeah. third person action combat for me. And I know the games are very different, but even the settings, like though they're Japan, the settings are still very different. But for some reason, I guess I just went in expecting more of that, like like lethality and like I, I don't know yeah. the the the, <clears throat> the weight that Sekiro had. That this kind of just I, I don't get. There is, there are hints of it there. Like I feel like the way they designed like the damage output of the sword and the hits you could take, like it feels really good, and the animations like make mm-hmm. it feel really chunky. Um, but yeah, I think. I, I had some issues with the lock, lack of lock-on to begin with. Um, and I think the combat system definitely wants you to play a certain way. Like, it's not a combat system where you can be too aggressive when you're fighting a lot of melee characters because everyone just blocks all the time, right? It, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a combat system that wants you to be more reactive. So you kind of just want to mimic, like, those samurai fights that you might see in, like, samurai movies where you just are standing still. Someone makes a move and you, like, deflect it and then you take that chance and start like steamrolling them um as you know so by the end of the game where you have a lot of abilities and stuff and you start becoming the ghost of Tsushima you know as soon as you parry your dude and you cut him down like everyone starts like breaking their guard because they're like oh shit and then you, you can use those openings to start 
um, doing cool things like throwing your kunai, like throwing grenades at people, um, doing weird things like kicking them in the air and like shooting them down with a bow. Um, but yeah, you need you do need to wait for those openings. So you want to be able to stay there, like see what's happening around you, and then be able to re- react in every direction. And I think that's kind of what they were going for. But it it still is a little weird in some instances. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's I, okay. I do I do want to play more because like especially watching um, like Max did a combat montage showing off how cool the combat can be and I'm like okay that looks really cool so I, I i do i'm aware that i do probably need to play more and learn these different abilities but man like it's the fact that i don't really like the combat the the mission structure i think is very like there's a tailing there's an instant fail tailing mission yeah there's a lot of those well i've only few, played one and i was like are you kidding me are we really doing this uh which 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 i found frustrating and then i the story has not grabbed me at all. I've heard it gets better after act one and I just finished act one. I don't want to say too much about what's happening, but I just like move to the next area, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if things get more interesting, but as of right now, like I, I am not invested in a single one of the characters except Yuna. I think Yuna's kind of cool. Yuna's pretty cool. Um, I, I think, yeah, to your point, act in act two, it really opens up. The story gets a bit more interesting. There's a lot more gameplay stuff that starts to come in. And yeah, you do, it does feel a, a lot less handholdy than the first act. Um, yeah, which is, you know, it's not a great start, but it does get better. Um, and I think, you know, by the, by the end of it, you know, you don't have to deal with a lot of that bullshit. And then you, you and that's where you get to the point where you just do want to explore by yourself and do the little side stuff and so you know, finish clearing the map, so to speak. Like, you know, I want to go back and play it right now. And that's the feeling that it leaves you with, but you can't, you know, I can't just forget all those those hours where they were just leading me through like you yeah. know very linear quests and like instant fail sales missions and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Something so something that I did want you to talk about a little bit is one thing you talked about in the review was how like in some ways the presentation hits the highs of what it's yeah. trying to emulate, but in other ways it doesn't. And I thought that was yeah. super interesting. Like what were I don't know? I guess some examples of how it hit those highs, and then examples of how it didn't quite get there yeah well i mean the whole deal with this game is that it's trying to ape like samurai cinema and like some of the which you know some of these samurai films are considered the greatest films of all time in terms of cinematography and like framing and that kind of stuff so it's trying to emulate a lot of that by like having the beautiful environment you know and framing that environment in really beautiful ways and doing really nice panning shots and playing with depth of field and all this kind of really cool stuff that makes it that makes it like very memorable. Like it's an incredible looking game. But on the other hand, you know, when you're doing a lot of these, it's full of quests. There are so many side quests and, you know, on top of them being quite linear, um, they are also pretty boring to watch. Um, so, you know, in a lot of open world games, you go to the quest giver, you have a conversation, giving context about what's happening, you know, what you're going to do, like why you're going to kill these people, whatever. Um, and a lot of those conversations are, um they're boring in the way they're boring because the characters just don't move right the acting's good the acting's fine the japanese voice acting is really good um but for a lot of the time you are just watching two talking heads flip back and forth back and forth back and forth and mm. that that's common and like that's fine but when you compare to how um how how much effort they've taken to make this game look so beautiful and like um evoke you know 
a sense of, of passion in you, like this really brings it down. Um, and I obviously it's an open world game and like animating like characters to move uh, and do like Last of Us 2 style, you know, conversations with like body motion or like even GTA style, you know, in GTA, the characters are very expressive. They're like always moving through the environment. They're like, you know, it feels, actually feels like you're watching a movie here, but here, when you go into a side quest, that's when the whole movie thing kind of disappears and you just, I don't know, you just listen to two people talk about the uh, like something that, you know, isn't all that exciting. I mean, I feel like the story part of this game is serviceable, but it's nothing to write home about. It's just, it, it's just a funnel for you to go and do something and kill someone. Um, so yeah, like you will spend a lot of time getting into these quests um, and just feeling a little bit, bored i would say um the only thing that saves it is like you know even though there are two still talking heads like they they often frame them in the environment quite nicely so it's like two figures standing under a giant tree while like petals rain down and all that kind of stuff and you know that stuff looks pretty but at the end of the day you are watching two mannequins like yap at each other for like two to three minutes at the beginning and end of each quest and that 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 is kind of the downer i mean that's the those are the points in the game where i was like getting a little sleepy and i was like you know it's like man do i have to do like 10 more quests after this yeah. um yeah but once you like i said once you start moving away from that stuff and enjoying the world uh it gets a lot better yeah i mean i i loved exploring like what i explored i thought was great like i had a lot of fun just how natural it feels like it's like oh you're going one way and then a fox shows up and you follow the fox and then follow the bird and then and then there's like a mongol territory that's been taken over and, and you like cleared out and stuff like that like i i did really enjoy that aspect yeah. of it but definitely I, it, it i just felt like like the minute i'd get into combat i'd be like here we go like i just wish i could make these enemies disappear and i could go on my merry way rather than having to fight him. I did like the standoff stuff though, where you can like yeah. wait like that. That's super flashy and cool. I thought. Yeah. Um, when, once you get more tools, like, I mean, I guess the whole plot of the game is like Jin is like a, you know, by, by the book samurai and like having to go through these combat motions. Uh, but he very, very quickly is like, Oh wait, ninja shit is like way cooler and more effective. So once you start getting more tools, as you move on, you'll just roll up into an, uh, an enemy crowd, like throw a smoke bomb in there and just go in and stab everyone in the neck. Um, so that might help you out, um, in a few ways. Um, but yeah, I think the guiding wind stuff, which is the whole, um, no map, this is how you get to an objective thing is really effective. Um, and it, it really aids that style of like checkbox open world uh, exploration because it doesn't, there's no like mini map, like full of icons for you to constantly be distracted by. You can just kind of move through the world. And if you see something like you can get distracted by it and you'd be like, okay, I'll do this now rather than looking at a map and being like, Oh, I could do this, but this one's a little bit closer, but over there and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So yes. Jean-Luc, you, played this game on kurosawa mode which is black and white yes uh, in japanese what was that like how was that uh i quite liked it um i i haven't finished the game and I'm, I'm wondering if i should maybe turn it back on or turn it off neither either near the end or after i beat it because like i mean the game is like beautiful with all these like saturated colors and you don't get any of that uh, obviously because it's in black and white but i think it I personally, for me, I felt like it gave it a really unique flavor. Like, I think there's something to be said about like, you know, as Ed pointed out, it's trying to capture the spirit of like 
you know, these uh, samurai cinema movies. And even though it's like, it's something as simple as just like, we'll put it in a black and white and we'll add like a little grainy filter and the audio gets slightly kind of like lower fi kind of gets crunched down a little bit. It really does like put you in that mood for those kinds of like that kind of like movie and that kind of like uh, experience that I just found myself like really engaged in it um, because of that. And I think that's, I, 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 I think I agree with like, I, I probably lean more on Ed where I'm enjoying it more than you, but I definitely agree with a lot of the issues of it. But I think like just the, the, the vibes of the game are like what carries me through a lot of it. I mean, like, I think it looks beautiful in that like black and white mode. Like some of the, some of the contrasts like look absolutely stunning. I've, there are a couple issues. Uh, the game has a few quests where it asks you to find blue flowers. And uh, I hadn't gotten to that. <laughs> There's a few of those. I actually hadn't gotten to that yet. And everyone in the Slack was like, yeah, what happens when you play that in Kurosawa mode? And I was like, oh shit, I should find out. Uh, it turns out it doesn't do anything. And so you just straight <laughs> oh, no. up are like, blue flowers. Okay. Um, those look like different wow, from that, the other that flowers. That shade of gray looks like it could be blue. Yeah, they, they slightly stand out. And and I like honestly like kind of winged it. <laughs> like at one point I almost did get lost. Uh, but then it, it, it turned out like, I don't know. It, it, it's not too demanding where like I was able to actually like figure it out without cheating but that's definitely a thing they like didn't consider when they when they did the game and i and i certainly understand people like wanting to experience like the vast color that this game has it's it's interesting kurosawa mode because the game is really vibrant and beautiful and i I was reading about um kurosawa's work in black and white and one of the things Mm. that that the team would do is like um, he understood how the contrast would work in black and white. So mm-hmm. they had like camellia flowers and they actually painted the flowers to enhance the contrast right. between the leaves and the flowers. Um, and that's like the attention to detail that went into the black and white work. And then of course, Kurosawa has also done stuff using color and, and red was really important color. So yeah. um, it, it's interesting because I think like the, 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 moviness of it like like crunching up the audio making it a little grainier works but i'm curious what the process was like getting that black and white contrast to work especially when it seems like so much effort was put into the color me too because because uh i would say it there are definitely spots where it feels like it doesn't work but there are spots where it feels like it totally works especially um playing it in hdr where like those whites and the blacks like really pop out with black and white is like genuinely like stunning at times. So you're like, oh my God, this looks amazing. And there's a part of me that like wants a game that like fully embraces that. And like from the get go is just in black and white. And yeah, like, it's, it's called, designed um, it's, that way. It's called Mad World. For yeah, Mad World's great. Uh, <laughs> I love Mad World. It's a, but it's a good game. But like, I, I guess more specifically a game like this where it's it's like, they're really like trying to capture this spirit of um, black and white film where like Mad World was more like black and white uh, comic book uh, art style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, I would personally recommend it, but I, I, have, I have seen some people like say like, oh, you shouldn't play it because of like the color stuff and how like sometimes the, the contrast like doesn't 
white work. And I, I can't necessarily disagree with that. But at least for me, I'm also like a, a weird nerd who like, I played all of LA Noir in black and white, like a, like a loser. Um, I love that too. <laughs> that, that's a way. good game to play in black. And that's black. a great game to play in black and white. But I really do think it just like gives like, it gives off this particular vibe that I just absolutely love. Um, like, and that was really what was carrying me through this game. This like as somebody who like loves Japanese cinema and you know, like it, like from the get go, I was just like, yeah, this is like what I wanted. And then, you know, as Ed pointed out, I, I totally agree. Like the, the stilted acting is like a huge, probably like the biggest downside for me because it's very like, oh, okay, this is a video game. We have to have two characters stand here and yeah, you know. <laughs> And that also, like, that's, people have been talking about this, but, you know, if for Sucker Punch to, like, really focus on, like, aping samurai cinema and have the Kurosawa mode to be, mm-hmm. like, authentic and then have things like the Japanese lip syncing, uh, the Japanese voice. Oh, my God. The, yeah. The mouth <laughs> movements of the characters. And, like, they don't express themselves like Japanese people because Japanese people, you know, when you watch those movies, mm-hmm. they're, they're mm-hmm. like, very boisterous, you know? Like, they... And you can hear that in the the voice acting um, that that doesn't come through at all. And so, totally. yeah, it, in that way, it's just like, okay, this is actually just a Western open world game. You, um, you can tell the mocap actors were English or at least, yeah. or at least directed sure. by an English um, like talent. Like there, there there's, it, it doesn't feel Japanese that way, especially cause like the, the main character Jin is like so clearly influenced by like um, Toshihiro Mifune but like yeah. doesn't have any of that same energy as that guy. The, the, yeah, the vo- the energy in the Japanese voiceover is pretty it's, good. The energy's good yeah. in the voice acting yeah. for sure, but not the not the yeah, acting. It's a, it's a weird reversal of like we're used to watching Japanese stuff with it, it like if you watch it in English you're used to mismatched mouth movements, but not the reverse where like the English mm-hmm. is yeah. the correct matching. And then the other thing I was I was reading um some stuff about Japanese uh like people in Japan reviewing uh, this game. And one of the things was uh, the speech is apparently too fast for the period. Yeah. Um, um, there's not a lot of pauses. And then the uh, other issue is that there's inclusion of like sarcasm or irony that is really just very yeah. Western. Um, I found that really interesting because it, it seems like the first wave of Japanese reviewers really liked the game and liked the portrayal mm. of the the time period um but I, I find those linguistic things really interesting and of yeah. course you know a japanese person in japan their opinion is going to be different from a japanese americans for example so um there's a lot to dive into there but the just the like when i read that there was like sarcasm i was like that's like the first thing they tell you in japanese <laughs> class is there's no sarcasm in this language for sure i mean <laughs> you can you can tell it's like it's because it's not just you're trying to capture like the certain period of Japan, but you're also trying to capture the certain period of filmmaking. Yeah. Like, you know, that like 1940s, like 50s filmmaking. And it's like the way they acted and the way they shot things were so different. And like, even like Americans adapting like 50s American stuff gets that wrong. The idea that you're going to get it right when it's like a completely different culture is like, yeah. I wonder if that was more like a Sony decision. This is just speculation, but I wonder if it was more Sony being like, hey, we're going to write this for like the lip syncing, for example, we're going to have American voice actors and have their lip sync with that. And the Japanese would be over. I wonder if that was like a Sony decision of them being like, hey, you know, this game is going to sell a lot more in the United States probably than anywhere else or in North America. And I wonder if 
that was kind of part of the decision. Like you'd have to imagine, like, I don't know, these people at Sucker Punch have probably watched these movies a ton, probably have a very good idea mm-hmm. of what they want to emulate. But I wonder if it just came down to it and Sony's like, eh, you know what? Like yeah. if we're yeah, going to make it's... a triple A blockbuster game for North America, we kind of got to make it with English voice acting and English voice, you know, in mind. Yeah, it's the final global blockbuster for the PlayStation 4, right? It's going to mm-hmm. appeal to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 why they prioritize the English and that's why they like have the themes of the story are like pretty universal. Um like it's just about like family issues and like I'm disappointing my dad and like what can I do but I want to get out on my own and do my own thing and all that kind of stuff. But whereas like the Japanese samurai films like a more or a lot more introspective, but how do you do an introspective kind of story in a open world action game right this is not rashomon that's for sure no (laughs) um i know that they they did work closely with japanese consultants on the game so there was a lot of japanese like input um i know like one of the things that was brought up was like the kanji being wrong or something and then japanese people were like actually it's fine and like i really haven't I didn't read a whole lot about that. I know it was kind of an issue at some point. Is that um, about the menu you're talking about? Like, the yeah, continue? the menu. But like, um, I I know that they had they had they worked with actual Japanese people on the game. So there's that too. Yeah, I, I feel like they did a lot of they did at least some due diligence. Like, and I feel like that comes through in, uh, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I guess when it comes down to it, it has to. It's a appeal to a general audience mm-hmm. well anyway, which is like uh, the opposite of the last of us too. <laughs> <laughs> any closing remarks on ghost of Tsushima before we move on it's a good pretty. comfortable game yeah it's pre- very pretty yeah. um yeah i mean i definitely if you like open world games you should definitely check it out i mean it's a very comfortable game to play do you like yeah. photo modes to, yeah if you like photo modes fuck this game is yeah it's for you. for you it's an open world ass open world game with a yes, very cool very style. Much. <laughs> very much so. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I do look forward to the day. Because, you know, Days Gone was kind of formulaic in this open world um, formula as well, I feel. But I look forward to the day where the developers who are currently working on open world games have actually taken lessons learned from, like, things like Breath of the Wild mm. and, and learn how to adapt that to new games and see where they take mm-hmm. those new ideas. Because um, I, think, I think we're done with this formula please yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah all right moving on to listener questions if you've got any questions for us you can email at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our discord uh by dming me it's the second time i've said that this episode but the discord community is great and we'd love to have you there so make sure to join uh you can also ask questions directly uh in that server anyway the first one is from foggy bear callie do you want to read this one this is a review question sure Didn't think this would be the right place for this, but when you receive games for review, are they typically the final product or is it done enough to where it is playable, but there are still some bugs and minor issues? I remember some games having day one patches and from some of the Ghost of Tsushima reviews, looks like they could potentially patch some of those awkward bits. That might be too much inside baseball, but I'm curious. Again, that's from Foggy Bear. Um, I can answer this. I, I think largely we are getting the final products like i i especially in recent years i wouldn't say i'm you're getting like a like a broken version of the game but there are definitely cases where there are some last minute patches and we typically get that information ahead of time so the 
the, the PR person will say like, there's this patch scheduled, it's going to fix these issues. Mm-hmm. And then that is really an honor system thing for us where if we do encounter a bug like that, I mean, I, I'm generally of the mind that like, I really don't weigh bugs at all in, in my reviews because you can fix bugs. You can't fix so easily. You can't really patch out structural problems with a game or narrative problems mm-hmm. that easily. Um, but bugs, you know, are forgivable to me. And um, I encourage our reviewers to pay attention to what those patches aim to fix if they are encountering those issues and the issues are relatively minor and don't really interfere with the experience. Um but yeah, we are getting those pre-patch versions for sure. Yeah, one one interesting thing is that, uh, it, I mean, Ed might actually be able to speak more on this, but uh, in the five years I've been at GameSpot, we've received like either code or like, or like a physical copy of the game. We don't get anything early, but there was a couple instances where we've actually gotten like debug code, mm-hmm. which is like when the game isn't, it's like it can be complete, but it's not, complete in a weird sort of way like yeah. it happened with tales of berseria i think the tales games do debugs the i reviewed yeah, tales of symphonia like the remaster and i had to get a debug console for that I yeah think. i i had to i remember carrying around a debug ps4 and we got it like months before the game came out like i was like <laughs> like i think i decided like after two months of having it peter was like hey maybe you should review it and i was like yeah, okay. And then I still had like another month to like finish the game and review it, which is is kind of wild. Like they just sent it, like Justin had it on a flash drive. He was like, I got Tales yeah. of Perseria right here. We need to debug the console. Yeah, uh, but I that like the, never happens. No, yeah, in really the weird. in the in the PS3 and 360 days, that used to be like basically common practice where you would just get like a burnt CD like sent in the mail. It's like, this is the game, uh, play in the, it. Um, in the office, we have, I, I'm in charge of like the library. And so I have like all of like our old junk. We have, um, remember the OG uh, Xbox 360 with like those really awkward uh, hard drives that you would like slot into the top? Yeah. We have a box filled with them and they're all like, debug review copy of saints row three debug like this and this like they're just filled with them and i'm like what i I don't even know what to do with them like i'm like can we throw these away like i don't i don't even know the logistics of it but imagine getting sent like a giant like brick in the mail when i was a freelancer i had to physically go into the ign office and pick up a debug ps3 to review and i'm pretty sure it was tales of symphonia um (laughs) And that that is just like not really a thing anymore. Sometimes you'll still get a CD or a flash drive um, of a build, but like to like now it really is like we get codes mostly, and the codes are just they activate a retail copy of the game. In some instances, we get pre-release copies, and then we get a um, second code that activates the retail version of the game. But the saves transfer. In very rare cases, the saves don't transfer, which is a pain in the ass. What did that um, happen for? That happened to something recently. Mario yeah. Mario Maker Two, I think. <laughs> it was oh, Mario yeah. Maker yeah. Two, where, yeah. Where I put forty what hours in that game, and then I think I knew it wouldn't transfer, but I was like, oh, "We'll we'll see. Maybe things will change." And you know, I ended <laughs> up putting forty hours in the retail version too. I think, yeah. yeah, you still for a lot of like smaller publishers for like PC games and stuff, you still get <clears throat> excuse me, you still get uh, things like Steam preview builds that mm-hmm. okay that say, okay, this is the branch that's going to be the full game. And then you are basically still playing a, a preview code. But I think for the most part, like all the major publishers and stuff, you'll basically get final code. Um, and in the case of Ghost of Tsushima, they like patched the game like four times 
um, yeah. and it still isn't out yet, you know, so you are still getting updates like as you are reviewing it. Um, and like yeah. they weren't anything that big. I think there was like some HUD yeah. changes possibly, but like you don't right. really notice it. They're not like patching in like, yeah. oh, here's some side quests that we needed to add to it. Like usually yeah. it's like, yeah. it's all feature complete. Uh, usually those patches for the most part, like I guess Last of Us was kind of weird because I guess the photo mode wasn't complete or something like that. And they like patched in photo. Yeah, mode. it was in beta. Yeah, like it was something like that. So, so, but like you know, the games are usually the games. There's usually like, yeah, they're them. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Feature complete is a good way to put it. Like there, there's never really a case where we're gonna get a game and like there's part of the game not included in the code that we got. Uh, the patches are normally going to be things like bugs or UI or something. Or the the, the biggest challenge is when one of the features of a game is an online component that won't be live yeah. until launch. That's when the game is not feature complete at all. And for that, we have reviews in progress, but um, yeah, I, I am so glad debugs are not a thing anymore. Me too. Yeah, me this too. would make working it, from home much more difficult. Right. <laughs> but, it, but it was nice back in the day when you get, when you do like preview um, previews of games, you just get like a, like a preview build on a mm-hmm. disc and you can play it over and over again, rather than just go to an event and play a game for two hours mm-hmm. and then write about it. You would just have the demo on hand. Um, that was fun. I feel like, like cyberpunk uh, should do that. Cyberpunk should definitely do that. <laughs> they would definitely will never do that. I could use uh, probably about 12 more hours with that build that I played. Maybe more, 40. Yeah. Can you imagine how much money that would go for on eBay? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And, and can you imagine all of the YouTubers who would just spoil data mine? All that shit would <laughs> mm-hmm. be out there right away. <laughs> uh, you know what's Yeah, the internet ruined everything. Is actually, this is like kind of related, but a little off topic. It's like how with us being at home we've started to see more like preview builds that are like remote where like mm-hmm. you play isn't that how you played cyberpunk you played it like over like nvidia now or something like i played it over thing. nvidia now ed actually went to a place to play it though oh wow yeah. australia's um, internet <laughs> yeah internet is so poor that we've still been doing like physical local demos so i did oh one for God. cyberpunk and i did one for um watchdogs legion and assassin's creed valhalla um and yeah, but they still like scaled it down to like the the 1080p stream build um, to be like, this is the experience that everyone's going to get. All right. So I'm like mm. playing like a 1080p game blown up on like a 4K TV, <laughs> and just like sitting this close to it. Yeah. Well, it's still, it's local, which is good. All right. Let's move on. So this last is not really a question, but Jacob McCourt has been keeping a spreadsheet of GameSpot After Dark, like I don't know, keeping track of who's on the episode, how long the episodes are, blah, blah, blah. So he's got all these questions for us to go through and see if we can get right. Uh, the answers are blacked out. So I guess we can go through it and just, you know, see what everyone thinks and I can unhide them. Okay. okay. I love it. Can I be the quiz master? I'll also quiz guess because I can't see the answers, but I, I love this. Okay. Do you be the quiz master? Okay. Um. So he has a little intro here. I built a fun little quiz to celebrate the 50th episode. Fun for the community. Maybe some cool facts for the show too. And having looked at the questions, not the answers, obviously, the facts are very cool. Um, All right. Ready? How many hours of podcasts are in the feed? Ooh. 88. Uh, 90 episodes. A couple spoiler casts. Those get pretty long. Like 55, maybe 
I'm going to say 102. 82.84. Wow. Okay. Ooh. That was way over. So I, I was the closest, right? Yeah. Well, lower. Sure. So that's one point for Jake. How many episodes are actually in the feed? Okay. Uh, I should Uh-oh. know this because 60. Okay, wait. Yeah, you're the one who try- populates it. I'm trying yeah. to think of... 58. How many spoiler casts have we done? Uh, I'm just going with my gut for all of these. And then it's 53. I think it's 53. I can only think of three spoiler casts, so I'm also going to say 53. All right. What? What is it? it? Uh, 53 as of July. Yeah. So, so Jean-Luc, your thinking was wrong, though, because this episode, episode 50, is not on yet. The reason it's 53 is because oh. the intro episode, that's like a minute where I just say, oh, hey, this is game so So you're still right. We're both right. Your but, thinking was, oh, but your thinking, oh my God. You didn't show your work properly, Jean-Luc. If I was a teacher, hey, I got the I'd answer, only give man. you partial I credit. I got the answer. If I was a math teacher, I'd only give you partial credit. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. What's the average length of an episode? Hour and mm. 20 minutes. Hour and 30 minutes. Uh, 125. Oh, dang it, that's minutes. what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> 135? Uh, oh, you're the closest. 93 minutes. Mm. Right? Wait, I said 130. Right. Are we doing rounding down or rounding up? Oh, I don't know. You you can decide amongst yourselves who gets that one. <laughs> I mean, John I think Luke you go to the closest, is right? numerically closest, <laughs> yeah. So John Luke gets that one. How many different personalities have been on the show? We've had a lot of guests. That's going to be hard. Yeah. A lot of guests and... Uh, geez, I have 50. No <laughs> 45. Oh. Ed's at a disadvantage here because this is the first episode he's been on. <laughs> Just say 30, 35. I'll go 35. I'll, I'll say 26. Uh, All right. And the answer is 40. 40. That's a lot. Wow. That's so a lot. I was close. I said 35. I said yeah, 35. I what did I say? 45? I don't I forget. Remember. I don't forget, I forget what, what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I said 45. Well, then oh, well. we would be tied if that was the case. Um, okay, so we can both we can we can share that point, I guess. Are we even keeping? I don't know if we. I'm not keeping score. I'm, just I'm, not, I'm not keeping score. I, <laughs> I, I, I think next time if we do this again, we'll need to have like Jacob McCourt on here, and he can oh. like keep track of things. There and, you go. Well, Jacob McCourt will be listening, so Jacob, let us know who wins. I, that, that's um, actually, you know what? I, we've got listeners; they can keep track for us. Yeah. <laughs> Which games? Why am I doing have- the work? <laughs> Which game spotters have been on the most shows? Top three. Uh, oh, he's easy. Me, okay, well, me Callie, and Lucy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's Jake, Callie, and Lucy. It Is it? Be. It's it got to be. be. Yeah. You guys are on almost every episode. Oh, that's... Okay, yeah. I guess that has to be it then. Any, uh, any ladies? I, it says... Are uh, we done? Oh, he's even got, he's even got the list. <clears throat> Jake, 45, Callie, 37, and Lucy, 32. There you mm. go. Wow. I'm sorry. Taking up so much space. Um, who was the only two-time non-GameSpot guest? So, Blessing. 
It's got to be blessing because yeah. yeah. he was he just, just on. did two recently, right? Yeah, yeah. we talked yeah. about it too. I was like, you know, you're the only guest to come on twice, and he's like, good, good. Let's leave it that. Blessing Adeoye Junior. Let's go. How many people have hosted at least one episode? Um, I've hosted one. Jake's hosted, obviously. Lucy's hosted. Mm-hmm. Tamor's hosted. Tamor has Ten. hosted. Who hosted um, the episode with like Alessandro and Jordan? Tamor. 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 Honestly, John, did you host any? I don't remember hosting one. But okay, so we're saying four. I'm saying four. All right. Uh, the answer is actually five. Jake, Callie, Tam, Lucy, and John Luke. I did host one? Wow. Okay, I what guess was that? you did. Okay, cool. That must have been an early one. Must have. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Maybe it was just um, one where you talk the most. Yeah. Maybe. That's all. How many, how many episodes have been 69 minutes? Three. One. Actually, say one as well. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say one. And the answer one. is nice. Yeah. One. Nice. Uh, how many episodes have been hosted from home, including bonus content? Oh, shoot. This is weekly, right? Oh, my God. So we've when been you, oh. remote since mid March. Oh, my I God. I want to say the first episode that we did remote was episode 38. So, like 22? 21, 20. because it doesn't include this. But then but, we've had two spoiler oh, chats. Cast. One for Last of Us and one for uh, Final Fantasy. So it'd be 20... 24? 23. I can't do math. 23 sounds right. Sure. Um, 20 as of July 11th. Yeah, I said okay. 20. Maybe I was wrong. I won. Oh, Ed, Ed got <laughs> it. There we go. Nice. Um, when was the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment created and who created the jingle? I know the segment... More created the jingle. More created yeah. the jingle. 100%. Um, um, episode pretty five. early, right? No, yeah, it was like episode, episode four through f- or five. I'll say four. Right, I'll say three. five. I'll say five. Um, it was episode five. Episode five tomorrow. Mm. It's just a complete guess. Um, how many CBSI friends have been on the show? So I'm assuming that's like uh, one game spot. Oh, um, so we've had including we've had Jan Bacalar, Bacalar. That might be it. I can't Wait, think of anyone else. Well, hold on. Would we count Chastity? Because she's universe. She's GameSpot. She's GameSpot. Game GameSpot universe. I so guess that works. So then Bacalar, Jan. Jan. I think that's it. I can't think of any. I think that's everybody. Oh, we're correct. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, how many non-GameSpot guests have been on the show? Oof. Got no idea. And so many. I'm going to say 10. I'm just throwing a number out. I'm going to say 12. I said 10. <laughs> I'm going to say 14. All right. And the answer is oh, I 12 have. individuals. Is that what I said? Times. You said 12, yeah. I said 12, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's the average number of characters in episode titles, not oh, including my the episode God. numbers or the word bonus? So uh, um, optimal number is 40. So you can it get would, it in 23. It would be much longer on YouTube because the titles are longer on YouTube. Oh, shit. Yeah, are we counting but, but I think audio? I think it's just podcast feed. I'm pretty sure it's just podcast feed. Okay. Uh, we get weirder with the podcast feed titles. Yeah. Because yeah. we know you suckers will listen to it. <laughs> I'm going to say 35. If Ed's saying average is 40. 
Are yeah. you sweet spots for well, the optimal is 40. Okay. Yeah. I'll say 35. I'll say 23. I said 23, so I'll move to 26. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, it is 30.2. Mm. Yes. Uh, what's the longest show? Oh, God. I, I want to know Two if that includes spoiler, spoiler cast. A spoiler oh. cast wasn't that long, I don't think. Uh, we've never oh, really? done I think like two hours and 10 minutes, I think, is probably the longest. That sounds about right. Yeah. And it was a while ago. It was like one of the early episodes, I think. Um, 137 minutes, episode oh. 18. So that's two hours and 17 minutes. Okay. That was pretty close. Cool. Yeah. What's the shortest show? I think our first step, well, not including like the intro, which was like a minute and a half. I think the shortest one was the first one we did, which was like 49 minutes or something like that, or 47 minutes. Yeah, we've had some that are under an hour. Um, hmm. I, I mean, when minutes. I'm on them, when I'm on them, I have no sense of how long they are. Say. So. It's going 15 minutes. 15? 50, 50. Oh, 50. Oh, okay, 50. okay. Uh, also, like, I genuinely don't know. I'm I'm thinking if any of the spoiler casts were like shorter, like I think Final Fantasy was like an hour or something. I'm gonna say 55. I'm gonna say 45. I'm 47. I'm gonna say 45. <laughs> 45. Control <laughs> spoiler chat. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that one. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, and then finally, what episode did the unofficial catchphrase of the show get created? And he's referring to chill hype vibes. Uh, I wasn't well, Michael had to be on. No, I don't think Michael was. It was Tamora who came up with that. It was I Tamora. Think. I'm really? Sure. I thought it was yeah. Michael. Well, no, it was, so, it was a, someone wrote in, like, loving the chill hype vibes of yes, GameSpot After correct. Dark. And Tamora's <laughs> like, this is the slogan. Episode 20. I say 22. It was definitely when we were in the office. Yeah, I I really have no clue. When did we, I I still think about the email that called us we a boomers, and I haven't stopped thinking about it. <laughs> I'll say twenty seven, twenty three. What did I say? Twenty two. You said twenty two. Well, that Dang. was fun. Well oh, that was, was awesome. <laughs> honestly, kind of like touching to see all of that data about our show. Yeah, like it's touching that you went to the effort to gather that. So thank you, Jacob. Oh my God. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, what is his nickname? Good, good Jacob or pure Jacob? Something like that. I'm, <laughs> and you're evil and, Jacob. And you're the bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm the bad Jacob. He's the good Jacob. I forget who's, <laughs> Lucy came up with it. I don't remember. <laughs> I, we a boomers. That's all I, we named our anime Slack channel, we a boomers, because of that email. <laughs> Well, anyway, this has been episode 50 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us to episode 50. Here's to uh, 50 more, hopefully even more than that. We're going to keep going as long as you guys keep listening. Uh, So thank you truly so much for that. Uh, The support means the world. Uh, And thank you guys, my cast who's here right now and the folks who aren't here but have regularly been on and the people who just help support this show and whatnot. But anyway, Callie, where can people find you and what are you working on this week? Well, you can find me on Twitter at InkyDojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. Um, I am still doing Animal Crossing guides. Uh, Chloe, Rad, and I have been doing a lot 
around the um, latest updates and we're going to do more for the update coming in August. So I'm really looking forward to that because I have no idea what it'll contain. Um, we're also working on a big database of all the villagers, which I am transcribing by hand from the official guide. So please look at that. It hurts. it hurts my hands. There's like 300 of them. I'm only, I've only gotten to like cows, like, or no, I oh, just finished man. deer. The last one I did was deer. It's I like, have a lot. It's like 500, right? I have a lot more animals to go. So when that goes up, please support it. Um, and, you know, as always, lots of reviews on GameSpot. You can re- read, well, Ed will probably shout this out, but read Ed's uh, Ghost of Tsushima review. Um, obviously, a lot of our reviews are also on YouTube as video reviews. Um, you know, we put up a lot of reviews. So... Yeah, two it's, big games yeah. this week. Paper Mario mm-hmm. something and Ghost of Tsushima. Paper Mario, the Origami King, 8 there out of 10 is. on Game I'm going to play it. I'm excited. Vasquez. I, I was like, it, they announced it like two weeks ago, it seems like. Yeah. It, his review actually made me really excited to play the Origami King, so definitely check that out, too. Um, friend of the show, too, being a part of Min Max. So, yeah. Jean-Luc? Uh, you can find me at John Lixipke. Uh I don't have a blue check mark, so you can still see all my excellent <laughs> tweets every day. Can you read my proxy? Me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I can't tweet right now. I will Sweet. happily tweet yeah, uh, yeah, whenever anyone else wants. <laughs> um, I got a couple cool things. Uh, Callie, earlier in the episode, you mentioned Michael doing a, um, what what is it like? a Not review, but like an update talking about Death Stranding. Like a three-paragraph update to the review, yeah. Yeah, so we kind of have like a video version. I, I wouldn't call it a video review, but it's just sort of like Michael's thoughts on the version uh, in video form. So look forward to that. Uh, that should be up hopefully by the time this is up. And then also either at the time this is up or shortly after should be a Death Stranding potato mode that me and Ben have done. We ruined that game quite considerably in some really weird ways. Uh, so look forward to that. And Ed, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at Ed Mintran, but I won't be tweeting for a while, I guess. You can tweet this now. I see, I see people Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, but yeah, like read my Ghost of Tsushima review over on GameSpot and watch the video with my stupid voice as edited by Evan uh, with footage contributed by Drake and Max, I want to say. Like no? 30 seconds of my footage. Like 30 seconds, still. Because <laughs> I, I only like did five. photo mode. Yeah, I only did photo <laughs> mode stuff. And he's like, what are some of your good shots? And I'm like, here you go. I think five yeah. seconds of my Kurosawa mode ended up in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so read that. Um, now what I've got, I've, I don't know what I have next. Uh, maybe I'll go play Ooblets. And I don't know. Yeah, I'll play Ooblets. Yeah, we are going to have stuff on Ooblets up on the site pretty soon. So if you're listening to this on Friday, the day it goes up, then please look out for, um, that's the goal anyway, is to have some Ooblets stuff up for for your enjoyment. Cool. And you can find me at Jacob Deck. And right now we're working on a cyberpunk video about the history Another of Night one. City. Another Cyber one. We're going to keep punk. going. We're not going to stop. <laughs> Uh, history, history of Night City. And then apart from that, I also, with the help of Jean-Luc, Max, Jay, and Tamor put together a montage of some of the best photo mode animated images we got. I guess that's not animated image. Doesn't make sense. Animated shots we got. Uh, and that should be up by now. So make sure to check that out because some of those photos are like incredible. There's one in particular that you added in like, I think it wasn't in the original it wasn't. Like, I it took was in it, the second one. I like 
as I was taking it, I was like, I can't believe I took a photo that looks this good. Like, I legitimately thought it was like concept art. I was like, that's not a like real. It. I'm like, Jake just pulled that from the internet. That's not real. And I was like, oh my God, like that game. Looks good. Anyway, okay. we'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Ooh,